I'm Thomas Anderson, and I am about to have a productive conversation with Mike Barty. I've been wanting to talk about vulnerability for a while in earnest, and I get to do so in this conversation today with Thomas Anderson. And it's a productive conversation at that. We talk about journaling, which is something I've talked about before. You can go back in the archives and see a bunch of journaling conversations that we have. But there's a lot more around it that we get to. We talk about empathy. We talk about the idea of highly sensitive people. We get around to that. We get around the idea of maybe what causes a lot of burnout and some of the things that we can do to kind of break patterns that exist so that we can give ourselves the room to be more vulnerable. And one of the things I wanted to touch on right out of the gate, this book is called The Vulnerable Man. Really, vulnerability is a human thing. So it's fascinating and and I think a, a a phenomenal thing that I was able to have this conversation with Thomas to bring it from from the male perspective. But let's be clear. This is a human experience. And this is a very human conversation we're going to get to. So let's get to it. Uh, Here's Thomas Anderson and our productive conversation. Thomas, thanks so much for taking the time today to join me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So the book that we're going to discuss today, and, and I really wanted to kind of get around this because I've been watching, let me explain the, the, the path here for me. Uh, when when I found out that that you know when I found your book and it, we we had a conversation around having you on the on the program, um, first off, we discussed this before we went on the air. We are normally pretty well booked in advance for the podcast. So as we record this, this episode isn't airing for about four months, let's say, approximately. But as soon as I saw what you were writing about. And getting into the idea of vulnerability, I started to draw a connect, a kind of a connect the dot sort of scenario. I am a big fan of Ted Lasso, the show Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus. Have you heard? You've, 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 have you heard the show or watched it? Have, do you know which show this that I'm talking about? Uh, actually, not. If not, you're gonna have to look it up in the show notes because that's where we're gonna put it. <laughs> so it's it, for those that for, for the listener, um, it's a show that's on Apple TV Plus. It it, it kind of took the world by storm between 2020 and 2021. It's about a, a you know a football coach, uh, you know, soccer, uh, who uh, basically has no experience coaching the game is hired by someone to go to uh, coach a Premier League team in Britain. But it's it's so much more than that. Like, it's about uh, belief. It's about, um, there's just so much there. Um, if you haven't watched it, I really encourage you to, to, to watch it. But that led me to one of the show's biggest fans, Brene Brown. Brene Brown is a huge fan. She gets name-dropped during one of the episodes, even. Brene Brown talks about vulnerability. So it went bump, bump, bump. It drew, it, it, I connected those dots. And what's interesting to me, and I'm not saying that Brene doesn't talk about this, but because Brene's audience, from my vantage point, is largely w- women, I, I thought I would love to get someone to talk about it from, you know, from a male perspective to a degree. And Thomas, you, the book came my way, a vulnerable man, reclaim your life, master your emotions, break your patterns. And I thought, this is a great conversation that I'd like to have. So short story long, 
that's why we're having this conversation today, which leads me into my first uh, question for you. Okay, so what? I'm not going to ask you what led you to write this book yet, but who are you to write this book? I guess is the best question. Like, who? In other words, you're an entrepreneur. You know, you have. I mean, the idea of an entrepreneur necessarily going in and going down the path of vulnerability seems um, fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Not 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 necessarily surprising, but the fact that you this is the book that I'm reading from you and not like an entrepreneurial necessarily, you know, connect the dots kind of book. Why who are you to write this book? Like what 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 is the reason that you, you know, like why should I read this book? Because it doesn't it doesn't feel like you're not a you're not someone who's necessarily studied this to the degree of at least f- at face value um, that someone might. So. I'd love to get lean into that a little bit. Are you okay doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. No, I think. Well, I think the story is is, is since I myself got sort of burned out and and was part of that digital digital stress uh, many years ago, uh, and I was not comfortable sort of putting words on my own emotions, and I didn't have the tools to sort of talk about things, and it led me into sort of a, a path of not finding a way out, and I was I was struggling there five six years ago. So I still had everything sort of on the outside, everything looked good with, with the family and the kids and good job and like all these things that, that should have been well. I did well in my career, but I was still struggling on my, on the inside and it was just, just too much. And I was, um, yeah, very, I was like depressed in a way. And, and at that time, I just also felt like this is, this is not the way I want to work, continue. And, and it's, I started to do some changes in my life. And one big thing there was to be vulnerable, to start uh, to, to share and, and talk about my emotions because I felt, I don't know, stuck uh, because I should not talk about this. What happens at work if I, I'm not sort of feeling the pressure or sort of making, uh, sort of can do everything or what will happen in my family with my with my wife at the time? What if I talk about these vulnerable things and, and share my, my, my thoughts? Because that's that's wrong. That's I should not talk about it. And... But when I started to open up, going first like the therapy and going through all these different uh, sessions and, and sharing my story and then hearing other people sharing their story, I realized I was not alone. And I think that was the biggest thing for me that I had for such a long time holding everything in for maybe my teenage years, that it was not okay to talk about things, maybe from a manly perspective as well. Right. And that is in a way was sort of the purpose when I realized that when I sort of broke through these challenges, I realized that when I then started to share and I was quite open talking like just now, I realized just me talking and sharing my vulnerability or being open, it helped others to open up. And then I realized, hey, I've been reading a journal for for many years. And then I thought I can share the actual journey of being vulnerable because I think it's needed to hear other people share the story because they can help others to move on. So I think that's, I'm just a normal person going through a <laughs> time and then actually just having the opportunity to share my story, which I just felt maybe then the entrepreneurial part of me said, I read, I should write a book. And uh, so it's, um, well, many it, things it, came up. <laughs> it, no, but it's, it's interesting because the fact is by showcasing your vulnerability, you found more people that, not only needed to, but started to, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? They started to because then they felt just like you that they weren't yeah. alone in this journey. Exactly. Um, you talked about journaling. 
Yeah. Uh, if if anyone if you're listening to the show right now, you know, and if you've listened for any period of time, I'm a big fan of journaling. I think journaling is one of the most, uh, and I, I'll, I'll I'll beat on this drum till the day I die. One of the most undervalued and mis uh, leveraged productivity tools out there because. It allows you to reflect more readily. It allows you to stay on course. It allows you to, again, be vulnerable. Um, you know, make sure that if you're not meeting up with the intentions that you have, whatever they are, it's at least giving you some form of attention to it, right? Um, but sharing the journal entries, is that like that That was your intent initially. <laughs> you can't see what he did, but he grimaced a bit when he mentioned it. So um, I've always been of the, the idea that... And I've said this too, what's in my journal, no one will ever read until I'm dead and buried, right? Because there's things in there that I needed to get off my chest that might feel hurtful to someone. So how did you navigate that while being vulnerable at the same time? So trying to keep the, I guess yep. it's a level of, I guess it would be a level of empathy, like being like, okay, I know I need to do this, but I don't want to hurt people in the process. Yeah. So how do I, how do I, how do I balance that? So I'd love to hear that. No, but I think, I think maybe the key thing in the beginning, when I thought about writing the book, I thought, because you can do sort of two ways in writing the book. It could be like writing a novel or so writing it as a fiction and sure. then sharing a story, or you can do it just a self-help book. And then it could be like, do this, this, this. But then, since I also work a lot with change management, and, and I also realized it's it's doing the actual journey, it's to fall, and, and just hearing some others' actual words is really helping. It's not made up. This is true. So then I felt very deep that I think this is important. This was also around the time uh, when the sort of the Me Too uh, movement was going on, and it was a lot of people talking about, like, what can we do? How can we help in, in this sort of way of, of um, the challenge that we have? How can we start talking more and make a, a difference for being a man and things like that? So, but then it's, of course, then it came into this, uh, but what can I share? And I just felt that, first, it was like, can, can anyone read my journal? Can it be understandable by someone else? Right. And then I had the idea, like, could I share my journal about one third of the book and then maybe have reflections on it? And I shared it with one of my friends who is doing, he's an editor that I, he's working with books. And I first like shared it with him and asked like, what do you think? Can, is this readable? Can it, can you understand it? Uh, and of course he said, yeah, it, it's understandable. It's very good written. But then of course he talked about, we should not hurt anyone. So of course I was going through like some dark, some, some changes and maybe took away some sentences. But everything that I was sort of my thoughts or my feelings was things that I thought that could, it, it's only me in a way. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, yeah, maybe I took so, off some parts, you, but yeah. So, so you were, so you were conscientious enough, but even removing that stuff didn't, didn't, um, didn't, uh, lower the value of those entries, right? Like if anything, yeah. And I think we, you know, some people, I've actually talked to someone about this and they said that they were journaling and then what they would do is they would immediately either burn or tear up the journal pages as soon yeah. as they were done. Because it was yeah. more about the act of getting it out yeah. than, than just being able to go back and, and review it. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. 
With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepasswordcom slash ProductiveConvo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, a great example of a, of a book that I really enjoyed in the last uh, few years that came out, it actually came out early, I think it would be, yeah, late 2020, was Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights, where he took all his journal entries and built upon that into a book. So, I mean, it's not, a. it's just, to me, there's that story. And as you were put, as you were putting the book together, Mm -hmm. um, did you learn more about those moments as you reviewed those journal pieces? Like, did you figure, like, what did you, what were some of the things that you kind of went, Oh, right. That's, that's still there. And I still need to deal with this or, Oh, wow. I can't believe how far I've come since, since that particular entry. What, what were some of those feelings? Well, I think it was, uh, I was like, it was like a, a big process as well. Just, just writing this, as you say it, I think that was part of the healing process to actually share. Cause one of my biggest sort of problems that I've had is, as sort of people don't like me, like, like this part of me, I should not share it. This is right. because then people like, things that I do not well. Uh, so, so then being so open was also sort of a challenge for me to actually put it out there and let my friends, my family, and everyone read how I actually thought that I was worried I was not the secure one all the time. This is These were sort of my minds or thoughts that I was ashamed of. Mm-hmm. But that was also like important to share. Um, then I realized, what was the question? I think I forgot. I just dribbled away in my own mind. <laughs> just the idea of just the idea of what you learned oh. as you were putting it together. Like when you look back yeah. at some of those entries, where you're like, "Wow, 
this is something that I still do, yep. or I've gotten so much better at it. Like the the almost like the relearning or the yep. re the the kind of um, reflective practice of rereading mm. some of this and processing it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because what I see that it, it is a pattern that you have. You have sort of your default that you fall back to, and and in a way right. your your challenge. I can actually see that my journey was like first to do it on my own, sort of my own journey on my own, and then when I started writing a book and I realized I could do that, I sort of did the journey in a new way, but sharing it with more people. So it was like doing the same patterns, but taking it to the next step. And I think that's actually sometimes quite obvious. And I I think it's, maybe you can see it like in three steps. First, I did my own journey, like just building my own strength. And then the next level was to sort of share it with, with people I trust and sort of take it to the next level. But then in a way, revisit my problems. Right. Like with my patterns, right. you take it to the next level and then you, you revisit your, your patterns away. And I think that's the, the key is like to find who you really are and your patterns. And every time you do something new, you will be reminded of your patterns. And that's also be a thing being aware, like this is my normal trauma or this is my, my things that will happen. So I know, uh, for example, when the pandemic hit and you started working from home, then I realized, okay, what is my pattern? Well, I need to have exercise more because I need to move because that's right. my pattern is this is going to happen to me. And then I sort of set my routines to, to balance myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm going through something new, something unknown, something rough. I know this is what I need to balance my mind because it spins away. So right. I think that was sort of my learning pattern that it's this is me. And I think that is sort of the self-awareness and setting routines for day to day but also going through big changes. And, and so this is how my feelings run or my emotions and, and things like that. So emotional intelligence comes up in, in, in this, right? You've, you, you, Daniel Goleman's talked about this before. He wrote a whole book on emotional intelligence. And it's interesting to see the progression of how much more that's come into the zeitgeist over the years. Because that book, I can't even remember how old it is. I want to say it's like upwards of 20 years old, maybe maybe older. Um, Goldman's done a lot of work around this. Um, but I still think that, that it's one of those areas where unless you're vulnerable, as you discuss, the ability to tap into it is so much more challenging, right? Like you have to be willing. So when, because you go over this and, you know, you, I mean, the idea of emotional intelligence is something that you touch on, you know, and I'm wondering for someone who's struggling with that, when they've heard this term, you know, mm-hmm. and they know that they've got all the the hard skills, right? Like all the intellectual tools, they're feeling productive because, oh, look, I'm getting this much done per day and I'm moving my business in the right direction. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm clocking in with my family at this time, but there's just some stuff that like, I'm not, there's, there's this, this, this valley, this hole that's kind of there. And I know they know that if they were able to tap into the emotional intelligence that's out there, they'd be able to, to kind of fill that or at least know what, what's missing and then start to. Um, for someone who's struggling with that or trying to figure out, like, how do I make time to put that in place? What are some of the things that you've done to kind of tap into your own emotional intelligence and make it more obvious, make it more prevalent, make it more something that you, that you use and you leverage to live a better life? Well, I think, I think it's, it's, it's well, like what you say, like one thing is creating the space to actually, to meet the emotions, because what we do a lot now is, is running away from it because we don't want to meet it because 
some of the feelings and emotions that we have are like protections as well. It's, 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 we don't want to go there, but then staying in the emotion because it is not dangerous. And then facing it and understanding why is that emotion coming up? Because it could be that you have pushed something too far. You have sort of pushed like these small steps for a long time. And, and you may be, I, I don't know what I'm feeling bad, but it could be that you have done things for a year, step by step by step, going against yourself. And, and actually understanding the emotion and see what's behind it. Like, oh, I'm feeling sad. Okay, what, why is that? Did anything happen? Did it go? And you sort of, then you sort of back, track why you have that feeling and then you can also then process it because the feeling is also like a wave it will pass mm. it's, it's in a way only information it's like riding learning to ride a bike no you don't want to learn because it could be very scary but then you say well the fear is is, is there because you might be scared to fall but then just understanding why are you afraid and and, and right. that you sort of understand because usually you can see the fear or the worry or the feeling it could be like a mount everest protecting you from going up it's going to be such a big thing but then you look back at it it was just a little hill mm -hmm. and, and that is sort of learning your patterns because your patterns could be also from your upbringing and, and you have maybe these patterns from your upbringing that you should not do this this or this and then that helps you now but maybe the feeling and emotion you're feeling right now is not valid anymore so you need to reprogram yourself and and since we are experiencing so much more today we need to be more balanced in how we see the world. So it's so you, many things yeah. going on at the same time here. <laughs> well, no, and and you brought up a good point as you're as you're talking about this. I thought, I wonder, and I'd love to get your opinion on this because I, I have my opinions on this. We'll we'll deviate a little bit here for a second. Yeah. Is do you think that we live in a world now that's gotten so to the point where the expectations that we are that we are given far outweigh our capabilities to hit. So for example, and I'm, I'm being very general here, but I'll, I'll be vulnerable here and use this as an example. There's this expectation, especially as somebody who studies productivity, that people are, uh, that I am like, the, I get so much stuff done per day. I'm the most productive person that they could, they could possibly know, which is far from the truth. But I don't believe productivity is about doing tons of stuff every day. Um, I think the reason that that's become that is because it's easy to count, it's quantitative, and it's very like, oh, look what I've done, look at all these things. I, I think that part of the reason people don't explore this kind of stuff deeper, they don't take the time and give themselves the space, is because the pressure of expectation to get as much done a day as possible live for today, there's no tomorrow guaranteed, um, all that stuff puts us behind the eight ball, so to speak. You know, we feel that way and that's a pattern, but I don't think that's a pattern individuals face. I think it's a societal one. I think it's a cultural one. I think it's a, it's this culture of achievement, but achievement is being measured by, you know, coins, not necessarily money, I guess is part of it, but like tokens, you know, like you did these 43 things today. Um, and it takes a lot to say, no, I don't, I'm not going to use that as my measuring stick anymore because by using that as my measuring stick, I'm not able to create better outcomes on the whole for myself. So now that I've said that, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this 
I, I'd like to think I kind of know where you're going to go with it. But as an entrepreneur, someone who's, you know, built a successful life for themselves and reclaimed their life and also experienced burnout, there's got to be something to that, right? Yeah. But I, I think that's I, that's sort of the big, where we are living in a big, big shift in a way. Like we are still in a way in our mind and maybe our body as well, like being in, in, the, in, the, in the industrial world. We are being efficient, right. pushing things more and more. But now we are connected all the time. What, what's what? When when do you stop? And we also compare right. ourselves not just with the local community; it's a global comparison. Like we're also sitting now having this conversation over the over the pond, little. Mm-hmm. But so so things have changed so much. But we're still in this productivity state of mind. But the world right, has right. changed. So I think that was also is causing the stress right now because we are not we are socially animals and we sort of strive mm-hmm. on being social and sharing and working together. But now there is no stop, and right. the world can stop spinning. So, so when do you stop? Because someone can always do more. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the the, the shift we are going through. Because also, if we back a couple of hundred years, uh, we had maybe starvation and less food, and now we have more food. And then we have mm-hmm. continued to, to work on productivity, and we are not having lack of things right. because we have built. Right. We have built, as you said, like we are maybe living in the best world ever right now. Yeah, I said this before we jumped on the air. Yeah, we live in the best. We live in the best of times. What did, what that Dickens think? The best of we. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I think. Yeah, yeah it's very fascinating. Depending on it. Now, what? Just real quick, is um, this idea of like, for example, we're having a productive conversation right now. Mm. I believe that this is the best. Like this is this is productive. What we are doing is uh, is productive, but. I know for a fact that some people, especially when I try to explain what I do, they're like, so you sit around all day on a Wednesday and talk to people. (laughs) How is that productive? Like, what is your definition of it? Like, what do you, because burnout is a real, like if you, if you're trying to chase numbers all the time, and when I say numbers, I mean like um, inbox zero, there's a great example, right? Like I, I, I hate inbox zero to, to the nth degree because it's it's constantly perpetual like you will never your inbox is constantly filling up because there's people constantly coming at you there's only one you and there's multiple and to your point now that we're global now there's more multiples there's multiples upon multiples but there's still only one you and we never really learned to delegate properly because the, the amount of work that came our way was far faster than the amount of time we had to learn to delegate. And not only that, we also don't have the time to process a project and say, okay, let me break this down into really small chunks so I can make measured progress on it and feel like I've been doing things, right? Writing a book is a great example of a massive project. You didn't sit down and go, write book on your to-do list because your brain would go, your brain would say, I can't get that done today because that's the way our brains work. Right. So uh, it's to me, it's this, you know, it's this fascinating ability to, and vulnerability, I think plays a key role in this to say, to say no, to create boundaries. And you talk about like, like the, the subtitle, reclaim your life, master emotion, break your patterns. We've talked about breaking your patterns. And this is a big one because it's a hard one to break because it's so entrenched. But I think it's the, the emotional piece. And then the, the, that once you get the, it, once you get okay with saying no, and I, I, this is a really great, how did you start saying no? Because burnout, the only way you can stop it really, well, one of the, one of the biggest ways is to say no. How did you start putting up boundaries to get, to, to make that, you know, to kind of say, hold off. Yeah. I'm, I, I, but, you know, and burnout is like the ultimate 
no, because you just shut down. So yeah. how did you, that's, that's, I guess the initial way, but how did you keep it from coming back again and again and again? I think that the first question, like what actually helped me to, to, to stop, it was, it was during the summer of like 2015. I was, um, like, it was like, it was just step by step feeling that I don't want to live. Like, this is a crappy life. What, what's going on? And I just like, also, since I've been writing a journal, I just also saw this is reoccurring. This is coming back to me again. This sort of pattern of I'm not feeling good enough. People don't like me. I'm afraid I'm losing everything. And then I took a week off. Uh, I go, I went, I do a lot of dancing at the time, do a dan- dance the Lindy Hop, the Jitterbug. So I went oh. for a friend. <laughs> Just a parallel, because I went to an event with a friend and uh, we shared a cabin and we talked a lot. And he told me like, because I shared a bit about my emotions and how I was feeling. And I and he's like, Thomas, you need to stop playing roles. You need to be yourself. And that really hit me like, yeah, I think I'm actually playing a role at work. I'm playing a role at, uh, at home. I'm, I'm playing roles all the time. That's why I'm tired all the time. I started thinking, I need to do some changes. And then I shared it with another friend who was a yoga teacher teacher at the time. And she said, well, you need to start saying no at work. And, but I said, well, how can I actually just say no? Well, she said, well, stay like this. Like if you have, I, had, I was working as a consultant and uh, she said, well, just say that you have these three projects or customers that you need to focus on. And since you want to focus on quality, this is what you can do right now. Otherwise, everything else will be suffering. Because she said, if you take on seven, eight, or nine things, and you don't deliver with quality, they will then ask you later on, hey, why didn't, this is not good enough. Yeah, yeah. sorry, too much. Well, why didn't you say anything? So those just small steps that I need to create space. I just felt deep within that I need to take care of my body so my mind can heal. So I started saying no at work, and then I said, decided I need to start doing more workouts. So I decided three times a week, at least I need to go for a run or go to the gym. So I started creating space since I maybe said to myself, well, I do a lot of workouts, uh, but maybe I always skipped it because I needed to pick up the kids or I needed to do something with work. So also didn't prioritize myself. So I also pushed away my own thing. But then I said, I need to create balance at work, stop there, and then have my gym time or my workout. And that sort of those steps with those creating that space then I could take the next step to go to therapy and actually starting meeting these things. And also these things always come back to me now because I know these, these, these are good things for my routines to have those mm. workouts. Like if I do, as I said, like if I do new things now, going to a challenge, I don't take away my workout or being in nature. I add it. Right, because right. You can rely on it. You can rely yes. on it. Exactly. Because right. I know this is where I like, I do a lot of hiking as well. So I know I can go for a five-hour hike and it always helps me. So I think that is also understanding what, what I need, but also to distance myself because I was very, very efficient at the time when I got into the bur- burnout. I was doing very well at work. I was everywhere, but not there for myself. As we, as we get close to wrapping up, I want to talk about um, extremes because I think sure. when people – you know, and, and I'm wondering if this happened to you too. Um, I tend to be a person of extremes. So what I'll do, at least initially, so I'll overcorrect. I'll go from one side of being like, not, you know, let's use like not, you know, doing so much to 
the other side, which is I'm going to slow things down, which is also, I, from what I understand from talking to Clark Gaither at a previous episode, that's also a sign of burnout when you go, when you overcorrect. So I have a tendency to do that. I've done that with habits and, and so on and so forth for a number of years. I've gotten better at it, but it's always something that, frankly, I journal about. Um, but I want to talk about the people that you talked to as you went down this, because it takes a certain level of vulnerability to go to people to say, hey, friend, this is how I'm feeling. Hey, friend, this yeah. is what's going on. Um, someone that's listening to this right now, probably they'll need to do this, but mm. they may get caught up. And the reason they might get caught up, I'm going to you know, theorize is because part of their brain doesn't want to part of their brain is like, no, 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 this is fine. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. No need to, like you said, let's keep up the mask. No need to be vulnerable. Um, they might be saying, well, who do I talk to? Not just a therapist, but like which friends, who are the ones that I should. So how did you decide or did, did, did was it decisive when you said, I'm going to talk to this friend or I'm going to talk to this friend? Or was it rather organic where you said, you know what, I, I'm, this, is the, this is the moment we're in this conversation right now. This person seems like someone I can talk to about this. Like, was it, was it premeditated when you said, okay, I'm going to talk to this friend and this friend. These are the free friends I can entrust with this. I'm going, to, I'm going to set aside some time to do it. Or was it rather something that was you blurted out or it was spur of the moment in some cases? Or was it a mix of both? Uh, maybe maybe it was sort of a mix of both. I think it was people that the first I, that I trusted that I had shared things with before. It, in in okay. a way, like we are safe that people that you know that you have talked about um, things before. So the first friend, I like it was also that we went away for a couple of days and we weren't away. Right, for yeah, so you, you were in so that space because it also I think it just took some time maybe for sometimes to, to open up actually to actually share it. So I think that we had the time and actually going somewhere else and. Not okay. I'm going to do this within the hour. It was not a stressful mm-hmm. time. It was actually to sort of taking a step by step and 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 talking about it. And then with my yoga teacher, it was like I was in a yoga class, and then I think afterwards I stayed there for a bit, and we, we then we started talking. It is also someone I, I trusted. But then I think one of the key thing, then like before I went to therapy, it was one of my friends, and then we also discussed this called highly sensitive person because I said mm-hmm. like. I don't know what it is, but I think I just sense so much. I said, get overwhelmed about people's emotion. It's just like two things going on. And she said, this is a friend that I trust. And we have talked a lot for many, many years. And she said, maybe you're a highly sensitive person. And uh, maybe you can come to, to a, she had a, like a session or something. But I went to a, like a therapy session with her, just me. And that was like, I think, the big change. I think I sat there for three hours and just opened up. And, and really and really talked. Wow. And I remember, like, in the beginning, I was so ashamed of, uh, like, like, I started crying. And she's like, no, no, don't don't worry. And I was ashamed about my thoughts and my my feelings. And she said, like, your thoughts and feelings, it, it's, you, you don't, it, they're no right, no wrong. They are just there. And, and just right. be able to just blurt it out. And we had just that acceptance of actually just putting the words out there. Because sometimes I think we hinder ourselves. I should not feel this. I should not think like this. And then you stop mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. just putting it out there actually helps you because holding it in, it will still stay there. I think right. that's why journaling is quite good because you put your words out there. Hey, I'm feeling this. Why is this happening? And then you sort of help yourself to understand. You backtrack that emotion. Mm-hmm. And 
I think we judge ourselves so much for what we think and feel because we should not feel this. This is wrong. Right. And I think that creating that space and having maybe that person, and if you want to start talking about it, it's maybe first to talk about talk about things. Like, hey, I, I don't sort of maybe say what you want to say, uh, the deepest thing. It may be just to say, I would like to talk about this. Uh, should this. What do you think? Is this something you want to talk about? I want to ge- open up more. What do you think? Should we, and maybe you can set rules and, and, and then you can sort of create a space that you can start talking. Right. So, so, so frame a construct around it. Yeah. So that way for someone who's feeling like they, they're so trapped in this construct to not yeah. go right from like exactly. a, a, a massive framing to nothing and said like, no, no, yeah. no, let's create some exactly. interest. Uh, quick, quick side question. Yeah. Um, because I think the people that are often the closest to you, like, you know, your partner in life, your kids, so on and so forth. Um, why you obviously you have these conversations with, with your partner and stuff like that, right? With your, I have these conversations with my wife too, but I have to say that sometimes I think going outside because they're so close to it. Right. And there's a, to have that conversation with someone else, I'm not, again, therapy is great. I mean, better help has sponsored this podcast before. So let's, <laughs> there you go. Better help little shout out for you. Um, but uh, I think going beyond the immediate household, even, you know, like that and your yoga teacher, you mentioned like one was a was a good friend, but the yoga teacher, they're not someone you see every single day. So, I mean, maybe I think sometimes what can happen is people think I need to get talk to people that are so close to things, but they're often really close to the situation as well. And you've probably been vulnerable with them to a point to go beyond, I think, is 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 a wise play. It seemed like that you did that, right? Yeah, yeah no, I think it's. Oh, yeah. It's many many thoughts <laughs> that come up. With <laughs> well, let them out. They're just there. Remember, they're just yeah, there. <laughs> no, it, like sometimes it's like I just thought when you, when I talked sort of to the yoga teacher first time, it was it was like not not maybe a big thing. It was maybe the big thing for was me maybe asking, and her response right. was like just a five minute thing. It, I think the big thing was me maybe just opening up and and saying that. I think I need to I need help saying no at work. I need some help. And she just like do this and this. And then it was just quite obvious. So it's in like a way permission. It was almost yeah. permission. Exactly. And also me for myself admitting that I need to do something. So just like mm-hmm. me putting it out there was actually a big thing. And I think right. that's also a thing that that um, creating this space, actually putting the words out there is just a big thing to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. And I think that is um so you could, so that could be a form of journaling. I've talked about this before too, like people yeah. audio recording it, like creating an yeah. audio journal. People used to do that all the time. They had a cassette tape and they would just sit there. And I mean, uh, Thomas, I, I, this has been a great conversation. We could keep going. Who knows? I might open up more, uh, <laughs> but you need to, you need to open up this book, uh, listener out there. It's called the vulnerable man, reclaim your life, master your emotions, break your patterns. Um, Thomas, before I let you go, uh, if someone wants to start showing vulnerability a bit more, if someone wants to uh, tap into this, tap into, you know, be, feel like I want the space, I need the space. Thomas has talked about creating space, but I feel like my space is so taken up by everything right now. Uh, I don't know where to begin. So beyond reading the book and keeping up with your work, where can, what what's one simple action that a listener can take to start being more vulnerable and putting themselves in a place to create that space to be more more vulnerable today. Yeah. 
I think it's to start to take the small step. Mm. I think Tom, sometimes you want to fix everything right away, but I think it's it's taking that small step to go for creating space today. Create 15 minutes of a walk. Go for an hour walk. Take meditation. Don't do something. Like it's these small steps that make a difference. It's not something that is a quick fix. It's day by day doing small things to change. So taking the first step is the most important thing. Now I'll add on to that and then journal about it. Journal about how you felt <laughs> after taking that thing, right? Because then it's self-perpetuating. It's validation, right? Yeah. It's it's that valley. I know when I started going for morning walks, part of my morning routine, it's like, man, I got to go feed ducks and I felt like I was in nature and I was getting exercise. Yeah. I need to do this more. So, yeah. I mean, doing it, taking the small steps, it, it's almost like when it's almost like giving yourself like a, a, uh, an evaluation after the fact to a degree, if you want to look at it that way, right? Like this, this, like I did this and how did, how did that make you feel? Blah, blah. Like doing that I think is key too. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and again, if you, if you do that, like there's, again, the five minute journal is a great example. Like it doesn't take a lot of time to journal it. Like you could even have questions, go online, Google it, find questions like prompts. We've had guests on this program before that also have prompts for this sort of thing. Like it, building that journaling habit is not tough. And if you do the small actions, like you just mentioned, Thomas, you've already got a, you've already got a, a reason to write it. You've already got a reason to, to evaluate because you've done that one thing. Um, Thomas, where can people pick up the book and where can people keep up with you and your work? Well, the book is uh, found on, on Amazon, and you can buy it there. And if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on my website, thomasanderson.se. Excellent. Thomas, thanks so much for taking the time today. Have a productive conversation with me. Thank you so much. I have to say that when I went into this conversation, I wasn't entirely sure where it would go. And I love the idea of being organic with these conversations, but... This one, I had a couple of uh, of talking points that I wanted to get to, and then we went right into things, and I thought that it was just a great conversation to have. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I'd love to get a rating and review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. And, and furthermore, I'd like you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already a subscriber. All you need to do is hit the subscribe button in the app you're using right now. Or if you're looking at this at productivityist.com, slash podcast 408 you can do it from the website as well just direct you to wherever you you usually listen to podcasts and you can do it from there so nonetheless um if you become a subscriber what happens is it just makes it easier to look through the archives and there are plenty of episodes in the archives over 400 that you can easily access but not only that it prepares you and, and gives you a bit of an insight as to what's to come and you don't have to go out and search for it it just shows up like my next conversation will be with luke burgess and i'm looking forward to that because he talks about wanting and boy oh boy there's lots to unpack there so Again, if you are a fan of the podcast, your first-time listener, if you listen to a few episodes, subscribe to the podcast. That way, you won't miss a single episode of what's to come. That's it for this conversation. I also want to make sure before I wrap things up that I thank the sponsors of this episode and the sponsors of the podcast in general. So head to productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors to see all of the sponsors that that support the podcast and then do your part and if you find something there that you would like to benefit from then support our sponsors and that helps support the show thanks again for taking the time to join me today for a productive conversation i'm mike vardy the host of a productive conversation with mike vardy reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive see you later <laughs>